0: Thanks, fellas. Yeah, that's a big question, right, man? Are they ready? And that's part of our, you know, part of our thing, part of our calling is, uh, you know, as parents, if we have kids in the home, you know, is that we're packing their, we're packing their suitcase so that when they leave our home to take this journey that they've got to travel and they won't be with us all the time, you know, that, that uh, what are we putting in there? What are we preparing them for? What are they leaving our home with? You're like, well, man, my kids, they've already left home. Well, the, you know, I, you probably still have a voice of some sort in their life. You know, and don't think that they never want to hear from you. You know, there are times where you know they'll still want to hear from you. They'll want your voice matters. You're like, well, I, I don't have kids. I don't care about kids. Well, you know, what do I why do I need this? Well, my hope is is that in this that um, you'll repent for not loving kids. But then second of all, <laughs> kidding. But uh, but my hope is is that the things that we're talking about apply to you personally. They'll apply to us personally. We talked the first week. About you know one of the very first things we want to make sure that our kids have in their suitcase, and we need this in our suitcase too, is their own relationship with God. So that when they leave our presence, it's not our faith they're standing on; it's their own. It's the thing that they've been introduced to Jesus and and know that He cares about them. He has a plan for them that's uniquely and specifically His plan for them. And so then we talk to next week about um, about you know keeping God's stuff first, and they have to see that in our lives. But we have to make it intentional and purposeful in doing that. Last week we talked about this, that godly friendships are critical. We did something a little different. I had a couple of guys that I grew up with. They were up here. They did a great job, didn't they? I thought they did really good. And um, I'll tell you, I I don't, I typically don't go back and watch myself and that kind of thing. I'm just, I'm hypercritical. I really don't. I don't go back and watch myself. My hypercritical is like, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Surely the camera's adding 20 pounds to me. Those kind of things, you know. And so, um, but actually I did go back and, and do that with this one. If you haven't seen last week's, I would encourage you. I think it'll, I think it'll speak to you, you know, for uh, uh, you know, for your kids and, and and for yourself personally, you know, just how valuable these friendships, these godly relationships are. They're not just good; they're critical. I mean, they, we need them. And so um, I, it, it just you know it just reminded me. It resonated with my heart once again. Before we get into the message, you're like, we're not even in the message yet. I haven't even given you the introduction. So. Um, <laughs> But uh, I want to say that we had this weekend. We had our women's conference. Woo! Yeah, man, it was just so good. Um, I I sat in the back of the sound booth. A lot of it just got to hear the the different people speaking and watching the ministry, and it just really just moved me. And so, so if you you know for if you were here or served at it or a part of it, just kind of raise your hand. We just wanna we want to give you a hand. Let's let, let them know we're just uh, you know so appreciative of. Of those of you that served, help get around, and then for those of you that came as well, because you, you know we know that you said no to things to be here, so thank you. And and I know that things happen where you can't make it, or maybe you've never had an interest. My hope is, is that God will stir you up for next year, and we'll talk more about that at the end of the service, so we're excited about that. Well, I want to talk today about identity, that one of the things that our kids should leave our homes with is an identity knowing who they are, who they were who they were made by, and what he made them for to help them understand that. It's such an important thing. You know, it's, it's one of those things that from the beginning of humanity, it's an area that the devil has went after people. He went after Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, you know, tried to persuade Eve with Adam sitting there that, you know, that, hey, you're not enough, you know, that, that, you know, if you'll do this and finally you'll be like God as opposed to embracing the promise that he, they were made in his image. And that Jesus, when he was baptized, you know, he, he's, he's God in the flesh, but the privileges that come with being deity he laid aside so he could live as a human being. So God, but he, he you know, the, the, the father spoke from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He immediately goes out into the wilderness and the place the devil attacks him is, if you really are the son of God. So it's this constant ongoing thing. As a matter of fact, I think, it's, I think it's the greatest challenge since the beginning of time. And I think now we are inundated in our culture with all these voices, all of these influences around us trying to tell us who we are and who we're not. And, and so you're going to hear this a lot. You're going to hear the same verses. You're going to hear those things a lot over and over again because I think it's, it's a battle for your soul. It's a battle for your identity, for who you are, and for how you see your purpose. It's one of those things our kids face it, man, just just overwhelmingly they face it. So we're going to hear that a lot. We're going to talk about that for us today. So grab hold of your Bibles and say this with me. Say, this is my Bible. Bible. I have what it says I have. I I can do what it says I can do. I I declare this morning, morning. my mind is alert. My My heart is receptive. receptive. I'll I'll be taught the Word of God. And I'll never be the same again. Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 1, Proverbs 1. If you're still learning your way around the Bible, notice that there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. The Old Testament starts with Genesis. The New Testament starts with Matthew. Proverbs is in the Old Testament. So, and it's right after the book of Psalms. That's like the longest, Psalms is the longest book in the Bible. And Proverbs is a collection of statements, truths of the wisdom of God. Most of them, I think, were put in there by By Solomon but they didn't all come from him but just the wisdom of God collected and so we're talking about you know that when our kids leave their home we want their identity we want to do our best to have deposited them in such a way that their identity is secure that it's secure so Proverbs chapter 1 verse 5 says this let the wise listen everybody say listen Now, you know, wisdom, it says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. It's it's the beginning of wisdom. But it does say one of the attributes of the wise is that they listen. If you're like, I just want to be wise. Well, one of the ways that we become wise is talk less, listen more. Talk less, listen more. Be good hearers. Hearers. Hear, you know, to the people in life. And it's still specifically here, it says, Let the wise listen to these Proverbs, and what happens? Become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and the riddles. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Fools despise wisdom. In other words, they don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear you. We live in a generation where it's hard to get people to listen and, and it says, and they despise discipline. And I, you see that, man, the minute that people face correction, they leave, they go. Their feelings get hurt, they take off. Well, they say, that's the mark of being foolish. And I know this, man, correction is not pleasant. I hate being corrected, but I'm going to endure it. When I say I hate it, my flesh sometimes, it's uncomfortable, it's awkward. I'm getting better at it. But the Lord has to walk me through it sometimes where I'm frustrated. Who do they think they are? Well, there somebody saying you the truth? you going to listen to them? Oh. So we endure correction, we endure chasing. It says it yields fruit, the peaceful fruit of righteousness. It goes on to say that fear of the Lord's foundation of knowledge, fools despise wisdom and discipline. My child, listen, there's that word again, when your father corrects you, don't neglect your mother's instruction. So it's speaking specifically to a place that wisdom should come from, our father's correction, our mother's instruction, that we should listen. It says this. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. So your kids will become rap stars. They'll have a crown and a chain. And so, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's supposed to, we're supposed to listen to them, right? I mean, we're supposed to listen, you know, and so this should be our goal as parents. And that is that we have to understand this, that the things that we instruct them shape them. Matter of fact, if you're taking notes, number one is this what we instruct our children will shape their identity. That the things that we say to them, that we instruct them, that we speak over their life on a regular basis, that we talk to them about, it shapes their identity. So I'll ask you this question, and this is not to, you know, to create any condemnation, but it is to, I hope it resonates with your heart like it resonates with mine. And that is, you know, what are you, you saying? You know, what are you instructing your kids? What, what are you telling them? What are you saying in their life? Oh, and you know, part of the challenge is, is that if you're like me, and I know this isn't everybody's story, but I think it's a lot of people's story. My, my parents weren't perfect. I know that's all of our stories right there. But I, they love me. And I think a lot of people grew up with parents that love them, even in their perfection. Some of you may not, that may not be your story, but that was my story. My parents loved me. And so, but even in their loving of me, you know, sometimes there were just things that they did, things that they put into me that they were kind of raised with, they were kind of raised that way. And, you know, and it became part of my identity. It's not necessarily what God would have me do. You know, when people are like, well, I guess I'm just stubborn. I'm just a stubborn person. What can I tell you this? That's not a godly attribute. That's my forced smile. (laughs) So, you know, when people do that, they're not smiling. They're showing you their teeth. You know, they're kind of great. So anyway, (laughs) I'm going to stop there. Anyway, so... But it is, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, I don't, you know, when you think about stubbornness, yeah, I, yeah, I played donkey basketball one time. Everybody played donkey basketball? Let me tell you something. Do you ever get played, asked to play donkey basketball? It is a trap. They don't love you. You tell them no, and you run from that place as fast as you can. I used to see posters like, hey, donkey basketball game. I'm like, that sounds fun. I can see me getting on a donkey and kind of jog, you know, and I'm like, and I thought in my mind, do they use real donkeys? Yes, they do. They use real donkeys. I'm, I'm, this is a public service announcement. It's more than just a lesson. So they asked me to be on it. When I was in New Mexico, they asked me to be on a game. And I thought, they must view me as a public leader then. No, they couldn't find anybody else stupid enough to do it. I got on that donkey. He didn't do what I wanted. He did what he wanted. But it was painful to me. He'd be running down the court, and all of a sudden, he'd stop. And guess what? The science of motion kicks in. He stopped, and I didn't. I'd have to get off of him. and I would try to pull him down the court. He kind of put his foot in it and goes, Guess who's winning? The final score of the game, no, this is not an exact final score of the game, was four to two. It was a horrible experience. And that's who you want to be in life? People are going to want to hang out with you, their life's going to be a train wreck. Because you're going to do what you want to do. So I mean, but again, people put that light in their color. Like, well, I'm just, uh, just kind of like my dad was. I'm I'm stubborn. No, don't be. But we we have a higher calling than that as parents, and that is, is to deposit things in their life that will shape them. And you know that they'll you know if we do that in such a way, it shapes their identity. We're a crown of grace. It's a sign of leadership of royalty, it's it's a sign that says something about attributes in your life and a chain of honor that people respect and recognize you for who you are, that when we embrace it, that we have a responsibility to put that into our kids' lives and to put it into their world. And so, if you're taking notes, number one is this, is that what we instruct our children will shape their identity it will shape them. What, what, are you, what are you shaping them to be? I, I had this, this friend of mine, this family that we were friends with when I was a kid. They had kids that were about my age, and, and their parents were about my parents' age. And they were nice people. And the dad, I know he meant well, but man, he would just say the, the most awful things about his kids. Trying to be funny, calling them you know, profanity names and, and that type of thing, and just always putting them down, calling them stupid dumb, add other words to that. And you know, and again, he would just laugh about it. I mean, I I watched them as they entered adulthood, and and that those words hung on to them, clung to them like a fish hook. That everywhere they went, and no matter what season they were in, no matter what relationship they transitioned into or transitioned out of, and no matter what thing they were doing, that just those words clung on them. He'd shape them. And so we have to take count of what we're instructing our kids, of who they're created to be. That, and if they'll listen to that, by, if, we, if we're intentional about those things, about what we speak over them, and if they'll hear that, the Bible says that they'll have a, a crown of grace, a chain of honor. So number one is this, is that what we instruct our children will shape their identity. Look at number two, if you would, go with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews is in the New Testament, and so it's like a little ways back there, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, you'll keep going. Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, keep going. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, keep going. 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, keep going. 1st and 2nd Timothy, keep going. Titus, Philemon, Hebrews. After Hebrews is James, so it's And so it's right before James. So Hebrews chapter 11, chapter 11 is one of my favorite chapters. It does all of these men and women that trusted God and obeyed God and how God used them and what he did in their life. And so Hebrews 11 verse 23, it says, it was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. So Just so you have context on this, that at one time, Joseph and his family, actually, Joseph moved there, and then Jacob and his family came. They were Hebrews, children of Israel. They, They came there, and they lived among the Egyptians. But as they grew, then eventually, several pharaohs later began to be afraid of them. They viewed them as a threat, so they imprisoned them, enslaved them, made them slaves. And they became so threatened at one time that one of the pharaohs said, look, man, they're going to overtake us, and, we got to, and, and then we'll be their servants. And so he said, we've got to make sure that can't happen. So he said, we're going to kill every two-year-old male and under. And so, you know, Moses' parents saw him, and, and as any parents, would, their, their instinct to protect their child came in. But there's also something else that is said about him. It says this. It says, they saw that God had given them an unusual child. there was something about him. Now, honestly, if I am real transparent with you, I wish that the translators would use a different word than unusual because some of you are like, well, that qualifies my kid. They're pretty unusual. You know what I mean? (laughs) But there was just something about them. They saw that God's hand was upon their life, that he had a plan for them. And I, I love this. It says this about them. And they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. In other words, no matter what the government said about them, who they were created to be or whatever, they were not afraid to stand up to that. So they recognized. They were the first, before anybody else recognized him, they were the first to recognize that their son was created for purpose, that God had a call on his life and a plan. Before anybody else recognized that, they saw it. And we as parents should see it. Jesus' mother, Mary, was the first one to recognize in him the call in his life. It said that she kept those things hidden in her heart about who he is and about the things that took place at his birth his very first miracle his his parent his mom was involved in that whatever he says to you do it and so it says this that they were not afraid to disobey the king's command it was by faith that Moses when he grew up everybody say grew up refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter his parents recognized something in him and eventually he grew up and he left their home. And when, when the world tried to put other titles on him, he refused to be called that because his identity was not going to be shaped by the state. It wasn't going to be shaped by people around him that, that, you know, that now wanted whatever he had or needed or needed you know, things in their own life. He refused to be called that because once he entered that season of his life, he already had been made aware of who he is and who he was created by and what he was created for. Nobody had to tell him that it was given to him by his parents as he was raised, and he knew where to turn to for that. And it goes on to say this, that he chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. Here's the second thing. We as parents are called to recognize who our children are created to be. That we should be in observation of that. We should see that. They should hear from our mouths on a regular basis who they are, what they were created to be, what they were called to do, to recognize the gifts upon their life. Proverbs 22.6 in the King James says this, Train up a child and the way they should go, and when they're old, they'll not depart from it. There's a translation called the Amplified Translation, and it takes those Hebrew words in the Old Testament and Greek words in the New Testament and just kind of expands, like this is what they, in their entirety they mean. And so it says this about Proverbs 22:6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and in keeping with his individual gift or bent, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. In other words, we recognize the gifts that they have. The things that God has placed in their world. And we recognize that and we teach them how to use that gift, how to develop it, and who it's to be used for. You know, one of the one of the struggles we can have as parents is we may have certain interests. I've had people say to me before, I can always tell when it's football season I can use more football analogies. And I disagree with them. I'm like, I think I use football analogies pretty much year-round. So you can take that back, okay? But but the truth of the matter is I grew up at home where that was a big deal, and so the thing I had to tell myself that if my sons weren't interested in that, I had to be okay with that. That did not determine their worth or their value or whether or not they were called to be used by God. And so sometimes we have interests we hope our kids embrace them, but just because they don't embrace that interest doesn't mean that they don't have a gift or something that God can use. Matter of fact, they do have a gift, and it's our responsibility, your responsibility as a parent to be the first one to notice that. Your child may have a musical gifting, and you have that relative that's so kind that they buy them a set of drums. <laughs> may Montezuma's revenge rest upon their house for a month, <laughs> and nobody wants to hear them play. At first, but you re- <laughs> but you recognize the gift on their life, so so you encourage it, you develop, you buy earmuffs, you do all of those things that you need. And eventually in time, their gift becomes developed and then other people see it and see a value in how they can use it and they want to begin to use that and not not for for that person's benefit, but for their own ambitions, for their own desires to use that and try to shape their identity and change who they were created for and what they were created to do. Well, how do they have the strength to refuse to let somebody else define them that's not listening to the voice of God? Well, because they were taught when they were in your home that it's God's voice that directs us and shapes us and creates us and that I'm going to do my best to represent his voice and what I say over their life. God, let me just ask you this question. Do, do you want your kids to become fully who you say they are when you're Frustrated when they disappoint you. Your words matter. What you say about them can cause them to have a crown of grace and a chain of honor. Can cause them, when they get older, and they're faced with all of the things that this culture that's inundated with with just, you know, appeal and inundated with all of these things trying to tell us who we are, that doesn't sound anything like what God says we are. I just hope they have the strength to resist that. Will you play a part in it? Well, Pastor Rick, mine haven't done that. Why is that? Well, you know, first of all, I, I don't know. And let me just say this. Just because your kids aren't in the place they need to be right now doesn't mean that you failed. You have to have faith in the word of God that you've deposited in their heart. The Bible says that it's incorruptible. It doesn't age. It stays there. And it's waiting for that moment, for that opportunity, when their heart, like the prodigal son, awakens to it. And then all of a sudden, they apply faith to it, and that thing spreads forth as if it was just planted in their heart yesterday. And you lift them up before God and pray for them. You call their name out to the throne of heaven. You take them into the presence of God. Carry their name constantly to the Father. You're praying for them. It's a fight that they're not even aware of a lot of times, Who's going to fight for them? We're called to do that. And if they're little enough in this season of life, not only do you speak things over them, but you teach them who they are. It's powerful when they begin to say that out of their mouth. I've shared this before, and I'll share it a lot just because I think you need to hear it, But an application I would give you is that, you know, David's up here. And, I, you know, our kids up here, and I know that when we, you know, when I would, one of the things my job allowed me to take them to school, because a lot of times in the evenings I went around. So I did that. I'd make them breakfast, you know. I mean, sometimes they'd get eggs. Sometimes they'd get peanut butter toast. Sometimes I'd go to Taco Box and Clovis. They'd get breakfast burritos. And every now and then they got the cereal of the day. And so we would do those things, and we'd feed them. And then we'd get in the car, and we'd put on some, <laughs> some kind of song that we'd sing together. And then I would have them make an affirmation over their life. You know, it was like, I'm quick, I'm smart, I'm bright, I'm rich, I'm sharp, I'm good-looking, and I'm a major blessing. And they would say that over their life every day. Every day they would say it. And then, uh, as I've shared before, you know, David, he's kind of a rule follower, so he would say it exactly like I wanted to. And and then Ashley, she's kind of a rule follower as long as they're her rules. And so, (laughs) and Daniel, he was our middle one. He was kind of like, you know, he was the annoyer. That was his calling. And so he would say, you know, and David would do it, and he goes, and Daniel would close with, a major blessing. And Daddy would go, You're not doing it. David would go, You're not doing it right. And then when David would say that, Daniel would smile because he had him right where he wanted him. He'd look at him and he goes, Major blessing. Daddy's not doing it right. Will you make him do it right? And that type of thing. And I'm like, Well, he is a major blessing. So, um, but to, <laughs> to get them to say it out of their own mouth where they affirm it themselves, that it becomes anchored in them. And they're reminded of who made them, that they were created by God for his purpose, for his glory, for his pleasure, to worship him. And that shouldn't be scary to us because he's a good father. He's a good father. And so you live your life in honor of him and to be who he's made you to be. So then as you grow up and these talents and gifts develop and other people want to use them for their advantage, it's not that you're not good to people, but you're not doing it for them. You refuse to be called just because they say so. You're called by the name that God gives you. You're the beloved. You're his child. You're the called of God. You're a new creature in Christ. You were a masterpiece created to do good things by him. Those are the things that you're called to be. And so we embrace that name, that identity, because it shapes us wherever we go. I'm just telling you, just dust on this. Our identity will determine our behavior. When things happen to us and we get hurt and we, let those, we don't let those wounds heal, but we carry them around, at some point they become our identity. Either we let what that person did and how they treated us say, this must be how everybody sees me. My own parents didn't want me, probably nobody wants me. And so we live our life as if nobody would want us. And so anybody even looks our way, we settle for, no matter how ungodly or how, untox- how toxic they are to us. Because why would anybody that's not ungodly or uh, not toxic want me? So we let their behavior, their brokenness, shape who we are. But they weren't called to shape your identity. It was Jesus. And one of the greatest callings we have as parents is to awaken that in our kids, to awaken it by telling them, Moses, his parents saw something in him. And they they were engaged in his life as long as they could be, recognizing that. And it says, when he, when he became an adult, as he became an adult, he refused to be called the title they wanted to put on him. And it wasn't because he was a rebellious soul, but because he knew that he had a higher calling than the one that they were trying to give him. It was a counterfeit for God's plan and purpose for his life. Do, do you want your kids to be who you say they are? when you're mad at them, when they disappoint you when they don't do what you want. You want the words to come out of your mouth then to be the thing that identifies them. When they make a mistake, I even hate to use that word mistake. Sometimes they just were disobedient. They, made a, they, they went against what they got, knew God wanted. And yet in our frustration, sometimes we can say things, as, is that who we want them to be? As part of their identity is, as they repent, they need to be the forgiven. Number two is this, is that we're called to recognize who our children are created to be. Let's look at this last one. Go with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 6. It's, it's a, several books before Hebrews, still in the New Testament, though. Hebrews 6, verse 1. Says this: "Says children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord." Now, again, understand this: that the word "children" there—it's—it's it's in relation to the season of life that they're in at that time. That they're—they're not—they're not adults; they're children at that time. It's not—it's not position; it's season. I and mean, part of it's position because they're your children, but it's season. Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Then it says, Honor your father and mother. Now, being honoring is a call that we have in every season towards our parents. Well, mine don't deserve it. Well, do your best to still be honoring. This is the first commandment with the promise if you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Now, this says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Rather, Bring them up with the discipline and instruction. Everybody say instruction. In other words, the instructions that we get from the Lord. In other words, when we talk about shaping their identity, it's not just, you know, my, my family's sayings. It's not just my past. It's not just these things that I read in a book or read on the Internet or saw on YouTube, or culture says, and that type of thing. No, man, it's instruction that comes from the Lord. Well, you know, I read this book the other day, and they said this, is it, does it line up with instruction from the Lord? No, then it doesn't apply. Every 20 years, you have the new guru of how this stuff is supposed to work, debunking the thing that took place 20 years ago. Do you know why? Because it's not true. Because you don't debunk the truth, it lasts, it's timeless. And so the instruction that we get in shaping our kids, it comes from the Lord. And who they were made to be, they were created again to honor him. They were created again to be his masterpiece so they could do good works through him. They were created to realize that according to Philippians 4.13, they can do all things through Christ which strengthens them. They were also uh, created in Philippians 1.6 to know this, that God is faithful to finish the work that he started them. According to Philippians 2, they're to know this also, that God will create in them a desire to do what's right and give them the ability to do it as well. So those are instructions that come from the Lord that we put in them, that we declare over them, that we were created with hands because part of our calling is to be instruments of worship. So I have hands that can be raised towards heaven to declare and reach towards my father as any child would also be used to serve humanity and feet that were created to take me to the place and the purpose that God has called me to and a voice to declare his goodness and honor him with everything I see and eyes to see the world that he's created and to recognize injustice and humanity and love people and reach out to them with what God's eyes see in the world today. And so we're created with all of these things to be created for our purpose and to reveal into kids according to what the Lord's instruction is. But that's what we put in them. And it shapes their identity so that when they leave our home, they know who they are. Somebody else hasn't had to tell them. Because it's repeated over and over and over and over and over again. For my kids, it was every single day I took them to school. And there were certain words I refused at that time to ever let come out of my mouth in addressing who they were. And I would listen to the way that people watched them. If they said certain things about them, I made a note in my head, they'll never watch my kids again. They're not going to say that about my kids. You're saying they couldn't correct them? Correct away. I'll polish the paddle while that happens. Psh, here you go. <laughs> But you're going you're gonna to recognize that what you're doing is not one of those things acknowledging what the world or the devil says about them, but you're correcting their course because they were created greater than that moment of their behavior. Even when I would correct them sometimes, I'd say, you were made for more than this. I remember I went and saw, and this wasn't one of my kids, but a kid I had in my youth group. I went and saw her. She was in, she was in jail. She was in de- juvenile detention. And, man, I love this girl. My heart just went out to her. She kind of had a hard life, and we were talking, and she told me why she was here, and I said, do you, want, do you want to be back here? And she said, no. And I said, good. Do you know why? I said, you weren't created for this. This just tells me you don't recognize who you were made to be. I want you to know who you were, what you were created for once you realize that you'll never be back in here because of this kind of behavior again. How, how we see ourselves impacts the direction we go. And we have to understand that our par- that as parents, that God should be the source of our children's identity. In other words, when we want to determine what we're going to say over their life and what we're going to expect from them, that it doesn't come from the latest and greatest, you know, uh, internet guru that's going to be irrelevant in five years, maybe five minutes. But it's the truth of God's word, the one that made us the owner's manual of of the creator of us as human beings that knows what we were created for and who we were created to be, who we were created by, and what he's created us to do, that we get that in the admonition of the Lord. Yeah, but culture says, culture's wrong. If it, if it disagrees with this, it's wrong. And so we're called to do that as parents. And even in our own life, that should be the source of our children's identity. But God's the source of that. Jesus is the one that we look to for that.